nothing. You lose. I've never been so high in my life. The category is Butch Queen, Butch Queen, Butch Queen, first time in drags at a ball. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Who Shot Ya? I'm your host, Ricky Carmona, and Happy New Year. It's our first show of the new year of 2018, and that's what's up. Uh, you guys are looking at me very quietly. We've been we've done this show for almost a year now. I was just Please jump on in. I was wondering if we had one of those like little whistle, like New Year's Eve whistle we sound like- effects that we could put in. So a little, like pull string. I was like, should I attempt? I can't do that. Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, those voices you hear right there to my left, she is the host of Switchblade Sisters podcast here on MaximumFun.org. It's April Wolf. Hey, April. Hey, Ricky. What's good? How was your New Year's? You see what I did there? You see what I did there? Thank you. He made it really, <laughs> he made it easier for me. It's really hard for me to come up with good things. <laughs> I'm like the Ingu Kang of this podcast. <laughs> Unless Ingu's here. Unless Ingu's here, and then I relinquish that crown. <laughs> we um, bow down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody rise. <laughs> New Year's uh for me New Year's Eve was actually a really really amazing. I had like such a good time with all of my friends and the first thing that I did for uh like New Year's Day was I signed up to take a bus trip with Jane Fonda down to California's Congressional 49th to uh get them electing a Democrat. Damn. Wow. I was just like <laughs> I'm going to get up at 6 a.m., drink some coffee, and ride a bus with Jane Fonda for a couple of hours. That's what you, on January 1st at 6 a.m., you're on a bus with Jane Fonda? Yeah. God damn. Let's hope it goes well. <laughs> well, that's solid. That's amazing. April starting off the year progressive as fuck. <laughs> we'll see uh, how it uh, ends. <laughs> and to my right, I got my man here, film. <laughs> Reviews editor at the ref, Mr. Alonzo Duralde. How are you, sir? Hey, happy new year. Happy new year. What's good? How was your new year, sir? Oh, God. We're so old um, <laughs> that we actually celebrate East Coast New Year. Wow. <laughs> so we like wow. drink champagne at 9 p.m. Oh, so that Dave White could go to bed, which he did. <laughs> so, what time were you asleep, LA time? Uh, he was asleep at 9.30 L.A. time. I stayed up with a friend of mine, and we watched the Twilight Zone marathon on Sci-Fi for oh, a while. Nice. Woo, crazy times. <laughs> um, but, you know, we did, I don't Ricky, do you do the grapes thing? Is that, is that a... When I was a kid, we used to do the grapes okay, thing. Okay, well, I, yeah. I did the grapes thing for the first time in, in a while. The, in the South, like, the big thing is New Year's Day, you have, like, black-eyed peas and greens, and it's supposed to give you a year's worth of good luck. And the Spaniards knock it off really fast. You eat 12 <laughs> grapes at midnight. Boom. <laughs> And that's supposed to cover you for the year. So I did my grapes. So I, I felt like maybe we're going to get back on track now because I, I did remember grapes this year. I'd been forgetting. And, and look what happened, you know. <laughs> You're really giving into that grape lobby. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I hook, line, and sinker. What, what's good, Ricky? How was your New Year? Uh, my New Year's was good. You know what else we did in my family uh, besides the grapes is my dad. My dad's Cuban. My dad would, uh, he would get a cigar, this big cigar, and he would get a coconut. Uh, roll it down the hallway of our apartment, all the way to the from the end of the apartment, all the way to the front to the front door. Smash the coconut on the ground, and then we would have to stand where the coconut was smashed. Me and my brothers, one at a time, and he would blow the cigar smoke on us. 
I have no idea what any of that <laughs> stuff means. But every year it was like, oh shit, here comes the coconut. Let's go, boys. We gotta have some Cubans like yeah. weigh is this in a thing, on this. Like, or is, is Ricky's dad Ricky's just? Dad? Like, that's, what, that's what I'm saying, man. I, I, I wish he was still around so I could ask him that. Like, hey, what was the deal with that pops? That, 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 that's like I'll, I'll say some corny expression my dad used to say, and and Dave will be like, "Now is that a, is that a Spanish thing or just something your father would say?" And I'm like, "How would I know?" Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm like the kids in Dogtooth. We have no idea what anybody else <laughs> oh was God. doing. That ended tragically. Yeah. <laughs> Ricky, did you do the coconut this year though? Did not did not do the coconut this year. No, my brother, uh, my brothers are back in Chicago. One of them will do it every like once in a while. I didn't hear from him if he did it this year, but we always do like kind of like check in, like, hey, remember when Pop used to just smash a, a coconut? That's a, that's a lot of props. You got to get the coconut and the cigar <laughs> and the children. You know, we're Cuban. We always had those available. <laughs> <in the house. laughs> I suppose so. Just things lying around the living room. <laughs> Well, on today's episode, we are going to be talking about the film Downsizing by Alexander Payne. We'll be talking about uh, just the near future in movies. We'll be doing our staff picks. And uh, we'll also be downsizing our award award shows as well. I'm excited about that. But before we get into any of that, we are going to do our news roundup game called It a Dick, short for Is This Important? Do I Care? How this works is I'll read a news blurb or headline. Alonzo or April will jump in with their take by answering these two questions. Is this important? Do I care? Now, this past week, 300 women in the film industry banded together to announce the creation of Time's Up, an initiative dedicated to fighting sexual harassment in Hollywood and beyond. The group took out a full spread ad in the New York Times and laid out their main tenets, such as a drive to reach gender parity in the industry, establishing a legal defense fund to help less privileged women, among others. Is this important? Do you care? This was my parting thing from our last episode. Yes. I was like, continue. This is the story that should have gotten more um, uh, stuff. Is like the reason that they're doing this is because of the farm workers, uh, the Alianza. Um, like that's this is their their impetus, and they they even published it in La Opinion. Is that how you La say? Opinion. La, La Opinion. La Opinion. See, there okay. you go. Thanks. It helps okay. when you use your hand. Like you can <laughs> more into it, yes. I've got Italian in me, so I think <laughs> I can... Same I can, difference. Okay. We're like cousins. Okay. So, uh, yeah, it, it, like, it was um, spurred by this farm workers uh, letter that had been published in Time, and now Time's Up is this whole thing. And I've been thinking about this, this since the second that they released it. This can change Everything I was seeing, like Kerry Washington quoting the talking about the, the tweeting about the farm workers. I was like, April, April's <laughs> oh on goodness. this. Yes, uh, yeah. I, I mean, I think it's awesome. My question is, I, I mean, and I guess we're we're looking at sort of you know short term versus long term. But mm-hmm. it, I mean, I'm sure a legal fund is great, and it, it probably does make a difference for a lot of people as to whether or not they wanted to bring legal action. But obviously, there's a, a broader thing within the industry in terms of. If I make trouble, if I, you know, go after these powerful people, will I ever work again? Mm-hmm. And so that's that's obviously going to be a long-term goal. But I, I hope that they can at least get the – that the short-term starts starts making the right people shit their pants, basically. <laughs> that's that's the, what I hope is the goal here. I think that, that should be the tenet of 2018. Let's start making the right people shit their pants. Yes. I like that very much. Well, I think the, the – sorry, but the, no, I think the, the legislation portion of what they're they're working towards is going to be helpful in all of that, which is real laws. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, you can visit their website, www.timesupnow.com, and you can get all kinds of information uh, like statistics that st- – I can use my words, statistical data on sexual harassment, what you can do to help, where you can donate, where you can get help. 
Uh, and I love that they're being very vocal about uh, being pro LGBTQ, who are also dealing with uh, harassment and discrimination in the industry. Totally. Yeah. All right. In an interview with Vulture, Laura Dern, shout out to Laura Dern. Laura Dern shared some wisdom she received early on in her career from the one and only Steven Spielberg. She was twenty. I didn't know that she was twenty-three when she made when she was filming Jurassic Park. Wow! And, and she was believable as a scientist. I'm going to throw that out there as a twenty-three-year-old <laughs> oh, yeah. woman. I was just like, oh shit, yeah, she's smart. She's fine. <laughs> yeah, she got it. Acting. <laughs> uh, well, when they were filming it, Spielberg told her, "People will tell you what you could do to your face years from now. Don't you ever touch your face. Your face is perfect. It's female. It's emotional." Dern went on to say. I'm determined to be human in my acting, and when you own your power and your womanhood, you grow into your beauty. Your face finds you. I mean, Laura Dern, yo. Is this important? Do you care? This is always such a a weird subject, because I never want to be in a position where, like, I am judging anybody's looks or judging anybody's choices as to what they do with their faces and how much of those choices are affected by the men who run the industry and make decisions in the industry. But I think that it's it's a, certainly a valid point that if you're an actress and your instrument, so much of, of emotion and, and expression and uh, everything that's, that's happening that you're giving to the camera is coming from your face, you want to keep that muscle as flexible and, you know, uh, organic as possible. So good on her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, she's uh, she's just a professional. I don't think she's ever really cared about how she looks. In the, my time interviewing her, she was just concerned about the art and the craft of it. There, there was, and maybe that's just um, her having the privilege of coming from these two parents who also didn't care about that. I was going to yeah. say, like, <laughs> not only is she second generation, but like she is the child of two really bold character actors who are so like fuck it when it comes to like playing, yeah. you know, unsympathetic characters yeah. or yeah. looking unattractive in a movie or just like, you know, being emotionally vulnerable or, or raw or whatever. So, yeah, I'm sure it was just sort of in, instilled in her from early on, like, just go out there and be interesting. Yeah, she's yeah. always considered herself a character actor as well, which is like she she obsessively goes back to old films and watches um, uh, female character actors and studies what they did in their kind of body of work. So, I, you know, it's a different thing if you consider yourself a lead, I feel. Yeah. yeah. 2017 was the year of Laura Dern. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Shout out to her and Baron Davis. What? I, right? <laughs> I was like, yup. Once again, that was Laura my, Dern is the dopest. One of my favorite pet <laughs> pictures in ages. I was like, all right, Laura Dern. Yeah. For the first time since 1958, the top three highest grossing films of the year were fronted by female leads. Uh, we have Star Wars The Last Jedi, starring Ray Ray Skywalker. Beauty and the Beast, a.k.a. Hot Krampus, <laughs> starring Hermione Granger. And Wonder Woman, starring a Wonder Woman. Now, is this important? Do you care... Hell yeah, let's go back to the 1950s and like let let women own the studios and uh and let them uh let them have uh, all the leverage in the whole fucking world. Cuz they're making this they're making them money, you know? They're this they're money makers. The top 3 films of last year were female centric, but remember, it's always a fluke. <laughs> that look in his eyes before he said it, I was just like, you shut your mouth. Whatever you're going to say after that, you shut your mouth. No, this drives me crazy because like every time we get a film that is about, 
you know, women or about queer people yeah. or about people of color or some combination thereof, girls trip. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's always, oh, it's a one-off, it's a fluke, it's a, this is not, you know, the, the it never inspires the ten knockoffs from every other studio in town. Yeah, oh, which any like dude movie that makes you know a, a, a similar amount of money does. Yeah. So yeah, hooray for this because let's let's finally like not be stupid about who actually buys tickets and who ticket buyers want to see stories about. Yep. Yeah, but I, I would I would like to say that maybe some some movies that aren't like in a franchise. Would be cool. Yeah, <laughs> baby yeah. steps. Baby steps. <laughs> <laughs> Now's the time where we're going to take a break, y'all. When we come back, we will be talking about downsizing. SF Sketchfest is just around the corner, January 11th to 28th, and there will be plenty of Max Fun shows there to represent. We're bringing Judge John Hodgman on the 11th, Jordan Jesse Go with special guest Andy Richter on the 12th. Manners on the 14th. We got this with Mark and Howe also on the 14th. The Greatest Generation and Friendly Fire Podcast Super Show on the 17th. Pop Rocket host Guy Branham's talk show The Game Show on the 19th. And One Bad Mother on the 21st. You can learn more about these shows and get tickets at MaximumFun.org slash SF Sketchfest 18. Get your tickets now. Welcome back to Hushaya. I'm your host, Ricky Carmona. With me in the studio are... April Wolf. Alonzo Duralde. Today, we are talking about Downsizing, starring Matt Damon, Hung Chow, Kristen Wiig, Christoph Waltz, Cantinflas, and directed by a brother of T-Pain, Alexander Payne. <laughs> Alonzo, can you give us a quick synopsis of this I'm movie, please? I'm pretty sure Cantinflas is dead, but... Um... <laughs> He's in the movie, bro. I got so, so happy when that happened. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. <laughs> So, uh, okay, Downsizing is a, a sort of sci-fi comedy, uh, social satire. Uh, Matt Damon plays a, a nurse practitioner in Omaha, Nebraska, and uh, finds out that one of his old friends from high school and his wife have been literally downsized, which is they have been shrunk to about, like, five inches. Five inches. And they, they live in an entire community for people who are of that size. And um, not only is it supposed to be helping out your sort of environmental footprint, but also the money that you have when you're full size becomes worth a whole bunch more once you get shrunk down. So uh, Matt Damon and his wife, Kristen Wiig, think it's going to be a great idea, that they're going to be super rich when they're super tiny, and they go to live in this community. Things do not work out as originally expected. And uh, the more that Matt Damon gets to know the tiny community, the more he understands that uh, even in a uh, microscopic utopia, uh, humanity's problems still follow along. It doesn't work out for brown people all the time. Yeah, especially not. <laughs> not especially specifically brown. and especially. <laughs> yeah, specifically brown people. Uh, well, overall, what did we think of the movie? I, I, how do we feel about... Uh, I guess I should say this. I've only seen a few Alexander Payne movies. Oh. I have seen uh, Sideways. I have seen The Descendants and Nebraska. Uh, I've enjoyed all of those. have not seen the other ones. So, I mean, I wouldn't be able to, like... 
just immediately say what are like running themes in Alexander well, well, Payne's movies. This is a big but, departure for him just in that it's a sci-fi movie. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. His movies have always been very kind of, I mean, not naturalist, but certainly very, you know, about the concerns of regular folks, yes. you know, in a day-to-day existence. Uh, I was, uh, you know, this is the kind of thing where uh, for film critics, we, we sort of sometimes minimize the differences kind of thing can make, but I was lucky enough to see this movie uh, at its festival premiere, and I didn't know anything about it going in. Like, I literally thought the title just meant that, oh, Matt Damon plays a guy who gets laid off. You know, so I, so once... I didn't even get that joke now that you say that. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So once they start introducing that whole element, I'm like, whoa, what? Okay. And, and so I just sort of went along with the ride of it, like, this is nutty, and where is this going? And I have no idea what's going on, but I... You know, I, I'm still finding the sort of Alexander Payne humanism in the film. Um, I, you know, I really like Hong Chao's performance. Uh, you know, I, I found it really kind of charming start to finish. And then after I saw the movie, reviews from other festivals started being a lot more negative. And by the time the movie came out, Matt Damon was shooting off his mouth about various things. And so, like, nobody <laughs> wanted to see this movie or say anything nice about it. But I thought it was charming and it's it's probably the least successful Alexander Payne movie but I think most of his movies up till now have been totally what he wanted them to be and this one kind of gets away from him mm-hmm. but I think it works more than it doesn't yeah April what do you think I actually I felt like it was a throwback to his or an attempt to throw back to his uh first uh feature uh Citizen Ruth hmm. Starring Laura, Laura Dern. Dern. Laura Dern. Which is, it's a great film, but the way that he introduces characters in that movie and the structure, it feels really similar, but it, it just feels less successful here. Because what he does is he introduces you to your main character, and through your main character, you get to know uh, this little group of people. And then as the movie goes on, you get to know this little group of people, and then this little group of people. So there's almost like these, um, like, stations Stations mm-hmm. of the Cross. Okay. <laughs> so Video game like, levels. I'm like, how do I, like, what do I yeah. do? How do I say this? Something that doesn't sound Catholic. Um, <laughs> so, uh, you know, he's like, he's got these different levels of, and in Citizen Ruth, if you guys go back and watch that one, um, the characters all intertwine in a really nice and or- organic way, and all kind of revolve around this central character, and it feels like that's what he's trying to do here. Um, and that is less successful for me. Hmm. It doesn't mean that these characters aren't um, in and of themselves interesting. It's just they they don't often belong in this film. Christoph Waltz is uh, my second husband. Um, <laughs> yes, and uh, he's he's my dreamboat, <laughs> and I love seeing him in anything. Um, Hung Chow, I was new to her, but uh, she's hilarious and reminds me of um, some of the older Vietnamese women that I have known in my life. Oh, absolutely. Who are just, like, wonderful and forceful and, like, they know what they want and they're, like, not going to, like, fuck around with any of this other stuff. I just, I loved her character. I, let, let, let's talk yeah. about her for a second because yeah. that's that's been a, a sticking point for a lot of people that they, they love her or hate the character. I mean, I think I think it's a great performance. Uh, you know, she is uh, born to Vietnamese parents, was born in a Thai refugee camp, and then grew up in the United States. Uh, but her grew up around Vietnamese people who were learning English, mm-hmm. and so I've heard people talk about, oh, it's such a stereotype, and it's such a you know the pigeon English, blah blah blah. I'm like, no, that's like if I were doing a character that were based on like my parents' friends who were also emigres from Spanish-speaking countries, I could give you an accent that might make you think I'm 
somehow being cruel about it. But no, that's just how they do it. You know, uh, I think the the tricky part is, and uh, Dave and I have been going back and forth on this a lot because we're sort of working out the feelings about her in this film. What it, I think the problem with the movie is that she's giving this really interesting performance and a vital performance and, and a funny one in a film that ultimately relegates her to being the person who helps Matt Damon become less of a jerk. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Which is so often the role in films about like middle-aged white guys learning to become better people. Yes. The upside yep. to it is though at least that for the entire film she treats Matt Damon's character like the idiot that he is. Yes. Like there's never any question in her mind that like you have no idea what you're doing or what you're talking about or how the world works and allow me to explain it to you. So there there is at least that part of it, but ultimately that is her function here. Yeah. yeah. I, I had the, I'm so glad you said that, April. That is the exact reaction I had as soon as she started talking. Uh, and, and like, I was like, I went to school with, like, when I was a kid. And I was there. Like, there was like other Vietnamese kids there. Like I heard those, I heard those parents' voices, yeah. and they sounded like that. Oh yeah. And when they would try and like speak to you know whatever when we were picking up our report cards, like grade pickup day, and the parents just had this blunt honesty that was hilarious. That was one of my favorite things about her in this movie is just the way she would just immediately just like put Matt Damon in his place. Or just be like, oh yeah, I gave old girl too many pills. She's dead. Well, anyway, oh, just God, like goes and like goes down with her. Like, like that was killing me. And uh, like, like you were saying, Alonzo, the the, the uh, as far as like middle aged dudes, I guess that's the one kind of theme that I do see running in Alexander Payne's movies, <laughs> which I, which I'm fine with because it it never gets to. Now I haven't seen a lot of his movies, but I will generalize here. Like I don't know about. Noah Baumbach, like I was just so glad, like LCD sound systems. All my friends didn't start playing at one point in this movie, and like Matt Damon, like started like finding himself. I was just like, oh, I'm so glad it did not go there. But I was getting very nervous, and unfortunately, it was proven. It turned out to, it it turned very much into Honey, I Shrunk the Dangerous Minds, where it's just kind of like here's the white person who shows up and helps everybody in the shitty neighborhoods. I would have, I mean. It's not the movie he made, but I would have just preferred the whole movie was about Hong Chao <laughs> and like how she has to deal with this world. Because that's a very interesting concept of her. I mean, the the metaphors that they use, are, I actually think are with her are, are handled pretty great. And I would have loved to see like a whole movie about that as opposed to, well, I guess I'm going to watch Matt Damon learn mm-hmm. how to be a better person now, which the, I've I seen say, that movie. The pers- This movie felt long. The procedural yeah. stuff in the beginning... If that had just gone, you know, if we didn't have to see all of like the the kind of like sterile whiteness. And oh, all see, that I kind think that's thing. one of my favorite parts I like of that, that yeah. film with well, the spatulas. But <laughs> I, I, it's one of those things where, like, you know, if you're if you're a director, I think you have to make some tough choices about like what you cut and why. You know, like, does it serve the larger story mm. and the larger purpose? Hmm. And to me, I felt like that was one of those things where you're like, ah, yes, candy. This is beautiful. I love this. It's cute. It's funny. But then in the end, it's just like, man. We could have been using that time to, to get to where we were to going. To get to sure. where we were going, yeah, yeah. Sure. That's it, it. Felt kind of like an indulgent, a self-indulgent kind of thing with where, um, like, the reins weren't pulled in enough. It, it, it didn't feel kind of like how you were saying before uh, in Citizen Ruth. There's like vignettes. I do feel like there's several different movies in here. Like, yeah. there's the beginning movie. Then there's what happens when he's like at the apartment and partying with Christoph Waltz, which I love, and then. Oh man! Once he like gets on that bus with Hong Chao, 
And I was like, if they go through that tunnel, and if what's on the other side of that tunnel is what I think it is, I'm going to be real disappointed in this movie. See, I, And it gets I, there, and I was like, because then I, I knew exactly what was going to happen up until the very end, which I didn't really like that either. I, I, I don't know. Maybe because I am a middle-aged white guy. I found that, <laughs> I found it really interesting that, was like, that, we're getting, that we get shown this, like, you know, it, like Westworld, basically. Mm-hmm. Like this sort of gleaming kind of white people consumer paradise. And then the notion of like, oh, wait, someone's cleaning the toilets. Someone is taking out the garbage and like doing all the crap that nobody wants to do. And then the movie kind of explores that. And, it, and, and, and to me, it just it sort of reminded me of like a movie like Seconds where, you know, where, where this older guy, you know, wants to change his life and he gets they fake his death and they turn him into Rock Hudson. But he's still the same messed up guy inside. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of to me, it's this idea of like, oh, we found this perfect shrunken utopia that has three cheesecake factories, <laughs> but it's still, you know, managed on the grunting labor of the sorely underpaid and exploited working class, most of whom are people of color. Um, so I don't know. I just, I, I, I thought a lot of movies wouldn't delve into that at all. They would just sort of give you the gleaming thing and then like there'd be a, you know, jewel caper or something. Sure, yeah. yeah. I, w- I, w- I was glad that it the whole movie isn't just like, wouldn't it be funny if they're just drinking out of huge absolute vodka bottles all the time? Like, I was glad that the movie goes where it does. It was just... It was kind of like I was talking to somebody about La La Land the other day, and I was like, I didn't hate La La Land. It was fine. I was entertained, but it was another movie where it was like, especially somebody who like me who loves jazz, where it's like, well, here's a white person telling me about jazz and experiencing jazz, and it's like, Ugh, you're telling me that you guys still haven't figured out another way to tell this goddamn story with people of color? Come on now. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. No, no, don't be sorry. I just have a lot of feelings about La La Land. <laughs> so we, 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 won't, we won't go back there. I think a lot of people know. We won't um, go back there. New, new Year, New You. <laughs> I have to say, there are like, little bits and pieces of this, like the ideas uh, I liked. Again, it's just it's just the gelling of all. I, mm-hmm. I also really liked the, the weird Norwegians mm-hmm. at the end because, like, you kind of start – getting into their whole thing and you're, you're like oh yeah the world is going to end and then they're just like no no these are this is a cult like, what are you, <laughs> like this is like and you start looking at them really differently and you're like oh yeah it is like this is definitely like a weird cult <laughs> but you know like this this character who is like he's just very susceptible to cult and in that mm-hmm. in the same way he's a bit like citizen ruth who like gets excited by the n- next thing and like follows like this cult but like he's just he's almost like not dumb enough <laughs> you know well, what I mean? Like he's just—he's still kind of like, oh, a physical therapist. But like, what if he were like really dumb? Yeah, he you was. Know? This the, it was originally they were going to cast Paul Giamatti, and uh, part, oh. of, part of me weeps oh. for that oh. version. Oh. That's and the really movie. Wants There's to your see movie it. right there. Chew oh, that scenery. Man. Chew that scenery. You know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, would any of you guys downsize? Would you do it? Fuck no. Wow, quick. Absolutely not. No, I trust no technology. <laughs> Why wouldn't you do it? Are you afraid you wouldn't survive? Like, what do you mean by you don't trust technology? I just feel like it must be time-tested, and I also feel that 
one of the reasons why we are at the top of the food chain is because we are big enough to be at the top of the food chain. I was going to say, I'd have, you'd have to guarantee that I can't won't be eaten by a cat or something. Yeah, no guarantees. My cat would eat me immediately. <laughs> I, I I I would do it, but I would need to see like so many statistics of like how like like success rate. Yeah, I'm so afraid that I'm going to be like what is it, the baboon in the fly? Where, like when it gets like teleported over and it just is like mm. in, inverted inside out. Like I'm always worried. That's what's gonna happen. Never go me. first. Never yeah. be never be an early adopter. No, no. Yeah, let, let them get get to version 3.0 where yeah. you yeah. really Ex- work the bugs out. <laughs> yes. Now, uh, the movie itself it takes place. Do they say what year the movie takes place in? It feels like it's. It's a, between it, ten it, and fifteen years away. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I think some time elapses between like the, sort of the discovery of the shrinking process and when they sort of announce it to the world and make it available to the world. Mm-hmm. But the the world as presented in the movie always looks fairly recognizably modern. Like they aren't walking around in her pants or anything. Right. Right. <laughs> Which. Uh... That I kind of appreciate. <laughs> I wonder if there's like maybe a crossover between the two. Uh, I I love movies that where we are just kind of a few years mm-hmm. ahead, and uh, yeah, the differences were wearing her, her pants. Uh, and, I mean, this isn't a movie, but another example of what everybody seems to be watching right now is Black Mirror. Mm. Where there's episodes of Black Mirror where you're like, is this taking place right now? And we're we just almost weird... there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it, it, nothing drives me nuts more than a movie that is set a little bit in the future and they don't even try. Like, they're so afraid of getting it wrong or <clears throat> or being too sort of cartoony about, like, oh, we've all got jetpacks, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. <clears throat> so they don't do things like, cell phones are going to look different in five and ten years, folks. Mm. <laughs> so if you show me a movie that's set, like, in five or ten years and the phones are all the same, I'm like, nope, <laughs> lazy. Uh, the, the, uh, a, a real um, uh, shitty movie about this was uh, – a shitty movie in general was The Space Between Us. I don't know if you oh, saw that yeah. one last year. But the, the kid who grows up on Mars and he has, like, candy bones so he can't come to Earth or he'll be, you know – that's what Whatever. that movie's about. Yeah, uh, yeah basically. I mean, his bones aren't literally candy. That's a metaphor. I just want to—I want to throw that out there for anyone who's unfamiliar with Did the you movie. Say he's born on Mars, though. <laughs> yes. He's born on Mars. He's born on Mars. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, so it's but he, so he comes to Earth, and it's supposed to be like fifteen years from now, mm-hmm. and all the smartphones are identical, but the laptops are now all made of lucite for no good reason, oh. except that it looks really cool that you have a clear laptop. <laughs> that's yeah, that's that's weird. I appreciate it when the technology isn't the selling factor of the story like i i love it when just like the phones are just like this big now the phones are just like <laughs> the phone is just a little tab that you point that you you tape to your head like to me that's enough and that's kind of like one of the things i loved about downsizing is like everything is just a little yeah, they don't super dwell on it. Right, it's it's right, just right. kind of like, oh, we can do this thing now. Yeah, I mean, like, like you say, if you, but if, we still eat at Cheesecake Factory. Yeah, <laughs> because then, why the fuck now? Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> that makes that makes that joke hit harder than like. But you know what? We still fuck it up at Cheesecake Factory. Like, of course we do. Of course we do. We're the humans. menu is even longer now, but we shrank it. <laughs> uh, now we asked uh, people on Twitter, "What near future piece of te- technology would you like to have right now?" Here's some of the answers of what we got. 
uh, at Owen Braza says Pee Wee's breakfast making machine or Paulie's robot or Paulie's robot from Rocky Four. Hell yes! I mean, I was salty when I saw that tweet because I was like, that, "Well, that's the answer. That's it. That's <laughs> done. Boom." Yeah, Paulie. I was like, up. "Oh, that's right. He did have a robot." Yeah, he did. Uh, oh, another one that we got was from Lawful Nerd. I'd ask for a teleporter, but then I wouldn't have a commute to listen to your podcast on. Aww. Aww. That's too sweet. Yeah, 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 yeah. and also, what do you want from us? Well, you know, it'll go into the phone that you tape to your head, and then you can listen to it whenever you want. Yeah, for sure. And the one and only Drea Clark, Drea the Dope, Ryan Sayer said, I am looking forward to dating my AI operating system, though I'd like it to sound like Alan Rickman instead of Scarlett Johansson. I mean, I'm not going to argue with that. Are there, do we have Siri options? Like, could I have a dude Siri, or is that not I think so. Yeah, uh, Yeah. I'm pretty sure you can. Yeah, and you can, I think you can, like, change the accent, too. You can make them sound British and shit. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. I, I want, like... The the worst idea of all time, guys, to be my Siri <laughs> guy and and uh, 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 and Tim, the the super New Zealand like like hardcore New Zealand accents. <laughs> yeah, I it is weird because like I'll, I'll listen to a couple hours of that show and then I start thinking in that accent. Yeah. it's weird. <laughs> New England's a great or uh, New Zealand's a good accent. Yeah, That's, they they say like a a lot, right? Is it go like go up like that? Mm-hmm. Th- you know, what? I think I'm thinking of. Uh... Wait, a, you're thinking EH, that's the Canadian. Yeah, that's the other way. I, I, and, and Australian. I'm not thinking New Zealand. I know that for a fact right now. <laughs> uh, I would get, you know, old boy got the Pee Wee's machine and Polly's robot. To me, it's just so obvious, yo. You get the holodeck from Star Trek. Ah, yeah. And then go. you can do whatever you want yeah. within that world. It's a twofer. <laughs> Boom. It's like the, like the best invention of. Uh, sci-fi film TV, yes. I think, yeah. is the holodeck. I would, and then I would die like two hours later because I would just be like, ah, what if we do this? And I mean, it would, it would, and you dehydrate. Yeah, yeah. It, the, it, you know what I mean. Whatever, whatever uh, Jane Jetson uses to make dinner. Oh yeah, she presses like two buttons and out the thing comes. You know? <laughs> April, have you said one? I mean, I, I genuinely fear technology so <laughs> have you been watching black mirror <laughs> i mean i did for a while and then i was just like no this is already too much like my nightmares but um <laughs> like the only thing i can think of is like the patricia rosma's film from like a year or two ago into the forest it was like set in like the slight near future and it had like kind of floating computer screens on it Ooh. and um and it didn't seem like too out of the possibility like realm of possibility and also seemed like useful mm-hmm. and 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 it was also um connected to a, a solar power grid and i was like yeah is it anything <laughs> anything that <laughs> will help me survive an apocalypse is <laughs> basically what i'm looking for <laughs> nothing with joy or convenience just survival <laughs> <laughs> well what do we all think would we uh screen it stream it or skip it Downsizing, y'all. I might stream it. I'm going to say screen it. I, I I really liked it when I saw it, and I mm-hmm. think that Alexander Payne is an interesting filmmaker, and even his, you know, his his whiffs are worth checking out because there's good stuff in there. Yeah, I would say screen it as well. I uh, I enjoyed it. The problems I had with it, that I don't think it takes away from how entertaining the movie it is. I didn't. I didn't you, you actually used the perfect word, charming. I was like, this is kind of like, I was watching it like with a smile. And for as much as like, you know, in the real world, Matt Damon is kind of a dumb shit sometimes. 
I I enjoy watching Matt Damon. Like to me, he's like, oh, this guy's a movie star. Yeah. He can play this role. He can, and I loved his gut too. Shout out to Matt Damon's gut in this movie. Because <laughs> usually, I get, if Matt Damon gets over a certain weight, they just immediately put Jesse Plemons in. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they're like, oh shit, sorry, we sorry, buddy. The you're way in, the, you're, you're, in the, you're, you're in the Plemons zone. Yeah. <laughs> On IMDb, uh, Jesse Plemons' second name is listed as Meth Damon, which I uh, love that. Well, yeah, he, 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 he was Meth Damon when he was on Breaking Bad, and then on Fargo, he was Fat Damon. <laughs> hey, and as a fat guy, I'm saying that as a compliment. No, but that's just so cute. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to Jesse Plemons as well. I love <laughs> Well, we are going to take a break. When we come back, we will be downsizing an award show. We'll be doing our staff picks, all that good stuff. Yeah, we'll be right back. Hello, Internet. I'm your husband host, Travis McElroy. And I'm your wife host, Teresa McElroy. And together we present Schmanners. It's extraordinary etiquette. For ordinary occasions. We explain the historical significance of everyday etiquette topics, then answer your questions relating to modern life. So join us weekly on MaximumFun.org or wherever podcasts are found. No RSVP required. Check out Schmanners. Schmanners, Schmanners. Get it? Welcome back to Who Shot You? I'm your host, Ricky Carmona. With me are... Alonzo Duraldi. April Wolf. Award season is upon us, y'all. And with all the different shows, different award shows, it can be overwhelming, but we're going to make it easy for you. In the spirit of the movie we just watched, each of us is going to downsize an award show to an hour, and we're just going to keep the important parts. We'll get to pick what we want in our show. We'll pick the categories, the hosts, the performance, everything. Alonzo, I'll let you go first, sir. Mm. And start off, actually, start off with telling us the name of the award show, please. Uh, well, it'll be the Oscs, because <laughs> it's like the Oscars, but it's much shorter. Okay. <laughs> uh, you know, what kills me about the Academy Awards every year is that they feel the need to have these, like, lengthy montage sequences where they explain the history of cinema. And it's like, it's not like <laughs> the Grammys tell you where jazz came from every year. <laughs> they don't bring Ryan Gosling out to explain it to the audience. Oh, God. You know. well, what if they did? Yeah, well, <laughs> been, what is it, in two been weeks? There, the been there, done that. Um, <laughs> no, I, you know, I, I think it, it's just this weird thing where, like, there's so many other directions they could go if they wanted to talk about what movies do and how they work, but instead it just, it, it, it feels like, look, you already have a tiny audience that's still left watching the show. You can pretty much assume they're all coming in with a baseline knowledge of what cinema is. You know? <laughs> so I think that saves you a good hour right there. Um, I like calling it the Oscs because to me that implies like we got we got to keep it quick. Yeah, chop chop people. Let's go. Let's yeah, don't even, I didn't, even, I didn't even think about that. I was just like, tell me more about this name. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the Academy Awards, not even the Oscars, just the Oscs. Uh, you know. Oh, and then I think we have uh, very strict uh, uh, baton time with the thank you speeches. Okay. Uh, basically, unless you are being super clever or fascinatingly political, like, I don't care who your manager and your publicist are. Like, <laughs> send them a cookie bouquet tomorrow and, you know, we'll give you the, the Fox News scroll on the bottom of the screen if they just want to have their names on TV. But, like, move it. Get on with it. <laughs> I will say, but I will give a little extra time. I want all five best song nominees performed Ooh, again. Okay. I miss that. I think that's something that's actually like part of a TV show that people might want to watch. Um, 
you know, uh, we don't lose any of the tech awards because they already don't get enough respect to the below the line people. So they get their they get to stick around and have their moments and do the whole nine yards for sure. Um, in fact, I want more like, I, you know, if you want to explain to me how something works, explain to me the difference between sound effects editing and sound editing. Mm, you know, like okay. stuff like that. Let's mm. let's get into the weeds here, sure, Academy. Yeah, yeah, you know, let's let's get real about it. Um, <laughs> Yeah, but no, I I think we if we could just like, you know, keep those thank yous brisk, take out all the expository stuff, and uh, yeah, we're just gonna we're gonna zip through this and we're gonna have an awesome show with some really great dresses. Yeah, I like the idea of uh, all the songs, five yes. songs, and if the band is good enough, you get to do an encore. <laughs> I, I, want, I want the award show to be more of a party as well. They're just so mm. three hours of people getting get them, up there. Get them drunk like the Golden Globes Ex- do. I want the Golden Globes environment, mm. but with the Oscars prestige. kind of prestige. Sure. Indeed, indeed. And mine is called the Quickies as well. I'm letting you know. <laughs> show starts at 8. We're probably getting out here at about 8.45, depending <laughs> on how, how good the bands do. <laughs> April, do you have a name for your show? Mine is a little bit... Uh, Unorthodox. I like it already. And it's um you were pretty good this year. <laughs> <laughs> and there's multiple winners for every category, but at the same time, no one gets to give their own acceptance speech. Oh. The acceptance speech is deferred to um uh the award winner's parent or um closest living um relative in their immediate family. <laughs> who then um, only says one embarrassing story about that person. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that person that. has to sit there in shame and <laughs> Do they and know who the person's going to gonna be who's telling the story? No. I like that very much. No, it's a, it's a surprise. <laughs> yes. and, um, and then everyone gets drunk, and then they play a bunch of fun clips from the movies that year that everyone gets to just like drunkenly clap at and be like, that was good this year. That was, you were pretty good. No, you were pretty good this year. You were pretty good. That's it. That's all mine. Is. I like it. I like that very, very, very much so. I also, I, I mean, I, the musical awards can be given out. I also just want one award given out. Best picture. And then, every, and the, like, it's one or best picture. If it was the best picture, then it had the best actors in it. Uh, it had the best director. Like, none of this, but this guy directed mm. this one. Nope, best picture has it all. And then everybody who loses, you have one year to come back to get, and make one movie together. So it's mm. like the Pro Bowl. You know, if you didn't win the oh, Super Bowl, okay, you gotcha. come back, boom, and you got to make a movie. Solid. Wow. Or yeah. you could give everybody in the acting categories the same monologue, <laughs> and then whoever does it best, they well, they take home. The I prize. like that. I like I like I like. Oh, make him make him do a cold reading of it. Yes, <laughs> like all five best actors. Okay, here's two pages from David Mamet's American Buffalo, and go go. And they're like, "What is okay?" Uh. <laughs> I like that very much. <laughs> Well, maybe next year, Hollywood, you will put on our show. <laughs> We're and giving you gold here, that's people. That's right, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, all right, well, before we get out of here, how about uh, Steph Picks, y'all? What do you have for us this week, Alonzo? Well, I've been thinking about what can you watch on Netflix that isn't bright? And <laughs> there are millions of options. Uh, no, but- <laughs> there's just bright. <laughs> well, next year, it's going to be just, just bright. Just bright, exactly. <laughs> But one that I, I, I think that has not – people – it got 
some 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 notice in its moment, and people have kind of forgotten about it. Uh, the documentary series Five came back uh from based on the book by uh mark harris directed by uh, laurent buzero it's about uh five hollywood filmmakers who were at the top of their game who went to who volunteered to serve with the army with the war office and to make films uh for the war effort most of them if not all of them i think actually going into combat situations and what that experience was like and how it irrevocably changed all five men's careers when they came back. And so it's Frank Capra, uh, John Huston, William Wyler, um, George Stevens, and... Ah, I'm blanking on the fifth one. But anyway. The fact that you pulled out all four is amazing to me. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I don't I remember. Like, oh, God, I don't remember. <laughs> and then they have, but then they talk to like five contemporary filmmakers like Steven Spielberg and Guillermo del Toro about these other directors and, and the influence that these guys had on their own work. And uh, so, so a great you know three-part documentary on Netflix. And Netflix also made available all of the movies that those guys made for the war office. So you can, after you hear about them in the movie, you can go back and watch the whole thing. Even like the super racist Frank Capra one about, uh, about knowing your, and know your enemy, Japan. John Ford is the fifth one. Thank you. (laughs) uh, Thank you, Casey. Um, Yeah. So it's a, it's a great movie about uh, Hollywood history and about World War II history and um, you know, and then you also have the opportunity to go and watch all these extraordinary propaganda films like uh, John Huston's "Let There Be Light" about uh, psychiatric patients, which was the the army banned for decades. Oh. People didn't see it until like the seventies. Um, yeah, it's an amazing movie. Uh, much much better than Bright. Check it oh, out. Okay, you said it's called "Let There Be Light." Uh, uh, the, the, the John Huston short, Huston. Yeah, and that's but... uh, the only reason I know about that one is I believe Paul Thomas Anderson used a lot of that for uh, the master uh, because of Joaquin Phoenix's character. Fascinating. You know, that's probably true. Yeah, but five came back. Check it out. All right. right. That's what's up. April, what you got for us? I was thinking about it, and for just any, like, person out there who just feels angry, especially for some other women out there, too, there's a great movie called Teeth that is still on Netflix. (laughs) And something about it just makes me feel good right now. (laughs) (laughs) It's directed by Mitchell Lichtenstein. I had to look it up because I, for some reason, could not remember that director's name. But... He's the star of The Wedding Banquet. Yeah. And um, he, um, yeah, he's got this movie where uh, this woman, you know, has a vagina dentata, den- vagina dentata right? Um, which is just, it's teeth in your vaginal cavity, obviously. Clearly. Clearly. Um, <laughs> and, you know, it's, uh, it's her secret weapon. Against all of these terrible dudes, and she lives in a place basically where like all men are terrible, and you're and yeah, so that's <laughs> it's it's kind of like a vicarious kind of thing where you're like she's got this weapon and she can destroy these men if she wants to. Ha. Um, I'm so glad you brought that up because I I've often wondered what women feel about that movie because it was directed by a guy and it sort of touches on this sort of in, in endemic like male terror of the vagina um but i you know it's made by a gay man and i think it's made with some compassion but i i just was i always wondered what the uh if women were if feminist film critics were yay or nay or mixed on this movie i think um i think that majority vast majority we are yay 
um, emphatically, yay. Because um, every time there's like a dude who does something terrible, you're like, yeah, that's exactly what they're like in real life. I mean, even if it's, even if it's not true. It's just like, you're just like on your, you know, like, oh, it's just too much. I just feel like I'm roiding out sometimes. <laughs> just so angry, you know? But this kind of almost justifies my anger because I'm like, yeah, the world is shitty and men are pigs. I'm so sorry, men. <laughs> so sorry. <laughs> so sorry to my husband, <laughs> my grandfather. I didn't mean it. Um, I've I been still love hug- you guys. <laughs> I've been getting hugs from women lately. Like, say, like I've been getting sorry hugs. So thank you. I don't know if you all are having meetings right now. And I'm like, just tell the guys sorry. But thank you for that. Just like... <laughs> Like sometimes we hate you, but like a lot of you times, know why. like <laughs> yeah, I don't know why. I don't know. We're just like so emotional right now. <laughs> it's just not easy. It's not easy. Well, uh, I'm not going to rage out. I will be. I'm going to nerd out, y'all. Uh, well, this episode airs on Friday or drops on Friday. I just drop drop on you. Uh, but today is the season premiere of the X-Files, yo. Mm. It's time to be on TV. So I am recommending uh, the first X-Files movie, Fight the Future. It's good. It takes the show and it does exactly what you want. A sh- you know, when they take a TV show and turn it into a movie, it does exactly what it's supposed to do. I mean, all the stakes are raised. Uh, it still looks like it lives in the world of the TV show. It's very great. Uh, so X-Files, uh, watch that. I'm going to watch the X-Files uh, premiere tonight. My man Alan Seppenwall says it's better than the last season, so right. that makes me feel good. That second X-Files movie, though, is a transphobic piece of shit. Turned it off maybe 15 <laughs> minutes in. Yeah. Like, I didn't even, I didn't even, I don't think I even got to the transphobia then. Oh, uh, it's wretched. Okay. Yeah, I was just like, man, sometimes you can just tell when a movie's going to be hot garbage. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I don't need this. I'm good. <laughs> Well, that's our show, y'all. Thank you for joining us. Next week, we'll be talking about Molly's Game with special guest Louis Vertel. Woo! Yeah! Hey, if you like what you're hearing and you want to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, go ahead and do that, please. If you give us five stars, we'll give you some mad love right now, like I'm about to. Shout out to Racetrack Conlon for saying, I don't have a lot of time to go to the movies. It's great to listen to fun people talk and recommend things to watch. You're welcome. Jamie says, really brings the goods every week, and I always look forward to the next cast. Although I will say I did not appreciate that mother recommendation. I want those two hours of my life back. I trust you. You'll never forget it. It's true, you won't. And we have one from Jim Cub. The hosts have great chemistry, and though I don't always know or agree with the reviews, it has opened my eyes to movies I may have passed on without their recommendations. Please download it immediately to prove your life. They ain't lying. And Clemson Girls 97, I like that they don't always agree, so I know that I'm getting their honest reviews. When I see a new episode pop up in my podcast list, I get happy. Well, I'm happy that you like the show, yo. That's what's up. I'm Thanks, glad, y'all. Yeah, I'm glad that we don't always agree with each other. I love oh, that very much. That would be a snooze. That'd be terrible. It'd be awful. And if you have a comment or suggestion about this week's show, you can tweet us at WhoShotYaPod, or you can send us an email at WhoShotYaMaximumFun.org. Shout out to everybody who's been like replying to us when we tweet things, when yes. uh, when the uh, when our Twitter account tweets, or just when one of us tweets. Yeah, we love talking to you, so keep on doing that. Thank you for doing that. Uh, the producer of our show is Casey O'Brien. Our senior producer is Laura Swisher. Uh, you've been listening to Who Shot Ya? We have April Wolf. Mr. Alonzo Duvalde, I'm your host, Ricky Carmona. This is a production of MaximumFun.org, and that's what's up. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. 
listener supported.